Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. As always, we appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. We uh, <clears throat> we want to emphasize God's word on this uh, program. It's the solution to all the religious problems. It's the answer to all the Bible questions, to all the religious questions. We find the answer in the Bible because Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Uh, a lot of preachers talk about the truth. We've got to know the truth to be set free from sin. John eight thirty two. Well, God's word is what defines for us what the truth is. It's not what I think, what I feel. It's not God talking to me in some small, still voice. Instead, Ephesians 3, 3 through 4 tells us how that worked. God revealed to the prophets. They wrote it down so that when we read it, we can understand it. That's what Jesus is talking about in John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. That's where the truth is defined. God's revealed his law, his New Testament law for us today. It's there in Matthew through Revelation. And it's up to us to read it and understand it and apply it. That's where the truth is, right there in God's word. We all know what the standard is. And it's in black and white. If you have a Bible question or Bible comment, you feel free to call us. The lines are wide open. The number to call is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. You know, back in the fall of 2019, a Bible Crossfire caller wanted to know, how can we know which preacher is telling us the truth? I, thought that, I think that's a pretty good question. We have all these preachers out here, different doctrines, different churches teaching different things. It can get kind of confusing or frustrating. How do we know which one's telling us the truth? Now, I gave him an answer back then, but I want to go more in depth right now. This is an important question. How can we know which preacher is telling us the truth? Because Jesus said in Matthew 15, 14, let them alone, they be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. In this verse, the blind leader represents the false teacher, the false religious teacher, and the blind follower represents us if we allow that false religious teacher to lead us astray. And the ditch represents the bad place. So if we allow a false religious teacher to lead us astray, we're going to be lost in H-E-L-L, just like that false teacher will be. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the ditch, not just the blind leader. So it's very important that we be careful about we hear, what we hear, be careful about what we accept. Not everything that somebody's saying is the truth. As I use the illustration on this program probably too often, two plus two can't equal four and five at the same time. It can't Two different things taught in the name of religion that contradict each other. Both of them can't be true. So, just how do we keep from being led astray by a false teacher? In the words of the caller, how can we know which preacher is telling us the truth? Well, an important verse to keep in mind in this regard is Acts 17, 11, which reads, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So the Bereans are given the highest of compliments by God because they didn't just accept 
what Paul and Silas preached blindly. Instead, they compared what was being taught to the scriptures to make sure it was so. If you have a Bible question or comment, now's a good time to call 877-655-6755. So how can we tell which preacher is telling us the truth? Let me illustrate how to do this with three examples. They're pretty simple, but I think they illustrate well how to tell which preacher is telling you the truth. First example. Most churches allow women to preach from the pulpit, preach in the church service. That's what I mean by that. But we have clear texts that teach otherwise. For example, 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35 reads this way. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. I use this passage a lot to illustrate how we're just to understand the truth by reading the Bible and believe what it plainly says. I can't think of a passage that's more clear on any subject than this passage is on the subject of the women preachers issue. So you can tell which preacher is telling you the truth simply by comparing what they preach on the women preachers issue to this passage. Some preachers Probably 75% of them across America and Canada say it's okay for a woman to preach from the pulpit. This verse clearly, plainly says otherwise. So you can tell which preacher is telling the truth by comparing what they preach, what they believe, what they stand for, what they allow to this passage. Rob from Maryland, go ahead yeah. with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, my Bible question is, which day is the Sabbath day? Is it Saturday or Sunday? You know, the Sabbath was always has been the seventh day of the week, but that's not the real question, Rob. The real question is, is the Old Testament law still binding, which the Sabbath was still part of that, it was part of the Old Testament law, or are we under the New Testament law today? What I'm going to suggest to you, Rob, is, is that the Old Testament, which included things like animal sacrifices, the requirement to do animal sacrifices, the prohibition against eating pork and catfish, the law that says you have to circumcise your little boys at eight days old as a religious rule and the Sabbath are all part of the Old Testament law, which is no longer binding today. Hebrews seven twelve says, for the priesthood being changed, there's made a necessity, a change also of the law. That would mean all of the law has changed, Rob. So the Sabbath is no longer binding. So it's okay for us to work on the seventh day of the week now because the Sabbath was part of the Old Testament law, not binding today. Rob, go ahead. But I, I, I thought there's a description that says Jesus says I came to fulfill, I didn't came to change the law, I came to fulfill the law. You know, Rob, actually where that is in Matthew 5, when he said he came to fulfill it, in that passage, he's actually saying that it would pass. Do you, I don't guess, you may be driving, you don't have your Bible handy, do you? No, I don't. So in Matthew 5, 17 and 18, here's what Jesus said there. Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. So what's he saying? The law would pass when it was fulfilled, fulfilled verse 18. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do to fulfill the law, verse 17. So when Jesus fulfilled it, 
he did what he came, said he came to do, verse 17. He fulfilled it. Verse 18 said it would pass. You see my point, right? Okay. It would so pass. That's Matthew 5, 17 and 18. Is the Ten Commandments still abide? No, the abide Ten Commandments. Let, let me read this passage to you. Uh, Rob, what I'd ask you to do respectfully instead of, I want, what I want you to do is I'm giving you passages that prove the Sabbath is yep. no longer binding. Accept those passages okay. because God said, here's one. Colossians 2, beginning in verse 14, it's talking about Jesus. It says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So this is saying that Jesus blotted out some ordinances, some laws ordained by God. He took them out of the way and nailed them to the cross. Now, he gives us some examples, Rob, of some of these ordinances that were blotted out, nailed to the cross. Verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, that's the daily observances of the Jews. Or respect of a holy day, that's the yearly. The new moon is the monthly or the Sabbath. So he says, these ordinances have been blotted out, nailed to the cross. And in verse 16, he says, therefore, nobody can judge you based upon the Sabbath anymore. So Rob, the Sabbath law is specifically pointed out as, as one of the laws that Jesus blotted out and nailed to the cross. You can't make it any oh, wow. more clear than that. I would challenge you to, to find a way to find... Anyway, if God wanted to say the Sabbath was no longer binding, how he could have said it any clearer than that, Rob? Can you think of a way okay. he could have said it any clearer than that? No, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take notes that I can write these scriptures down, that I can read them myself. So let me uh, stop that I can yes. get my I notes I tell you what, Rob, and I can. thank you for your call. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to call you after the program's over. Get your email address, and I'm going to send you a list of there's a bunch of yeah. other passages for you to consider, and I'll if, I'll send you a, a list of these passages via email, and perhaps we can talk further. Okay? Yes, my email is R O B. Well, I tell you what, I'm gonna call you after the program so it doesn't go out over the air. Oh, okay? Sure. You okay, expect you so my much. call in about you. in about thirty minutes. I'll try to give you a call. Thank you so much, Th Rob. Thank you for your call. Appreciate you being so nice. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. You're welcome. Bye, Rob. So what we're talking about there is, and I go back to the first passage I mentioned with Rob, in Hebrews 7, 12 says, for the priest who being changed, there's made of necessity a change also of the law. In that context, in Hebrews 7, what is going on there is that the writer saying Jesus is our priest. As a matter of fact, he's our high priest, but he couldn't be our priest if the Old Testament law was still binding because to be a priest in the Old Testament, you had to be of the tribe of Levi. You had, to, you had to descend from that brother, that son of Jacob. But Jesus descended from the brother Judah. So if the Old Testament law was still binding, Jesus couldn't be a priest, but he is a priest. Therefore, the priesthood must have changed. And then he makes the point, therefore, of necessity, there's been a change also of the law. In other words, you can't just change part of the law. You change If you change the priesthood, that means you must have changed the whole thing. Well, the Sabbath is part of the whole thing. Somebody's told me one time, I don't know if they got it right, but they counted up like 613 total commandments in the Old Testament. It wasn't just 10. There were like 16, 613. And this is saying since part of the law has changed, the priesthood, that means all of it's changed, every single bit of it. A lot of times people will say, Pat, if that's true, if the Ten Commandments are no longer binding, that would mean we can kill, steal, and commit adultery today. No. The reason it's wrong to kill, steal, and commit adultery today is not because the Old Testament 
the Ten Commandments, which was for the Jews, says that it's wrong. It's because the law of Christ, the New Testament, tells us not to kill, steal, and commit adultery. We really appreciate that call from Rob. If you want to get in on the action, give us a call. 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment. 877-655-6755. Now, we were talking about this passage in 1 Corinthians 14 where it says, let your women keep silence in the churches. It's a shame for women to speak in the church. And how plain that was. Well, some might wonder about passages like Acts 21 verse 9 that show women prophesied. But in a case like that, what you should do is figure out how both passages can be true. Don't just ignore one passage and hold to the other, but what position would make both passages true? Well, if one scripture shows a woman can prophesy, Acts 21 verse 9, Acts 2 verse 17, that is, they can teach God's word, and another scripture says she can't teach in church, how can both of those passages be true? What should our conclusion be? To me, it's obvious that a woman can teach God's word as long as she doesn't do it in the church assembly, in the church services. Illustration. When I was a boy, and this is a true story, my dad would told me not to talk in church. One time I talked in church and I got to spanking for it. He told me, do not talk in church. But when he told me that, he wasn't telling me I couldn't talk in the Kentucky Fried Chicken later when we went for lunch, right? No. That's really a very simple rule to follow. Make all passages true, but most religious people don't follow that. We should know that if God wrote the Bible, everything in it, by that I mean all the verses will be true. That shows us when we seem to have verses on both sides of a question, we shouldn't just throw up our hands and say, there are 20 verses that teach A and only 10 verses that teach B, so A must be the truth and I will ignore the B passages. That's not what we should do at all. Instead, we should figure out how all 30 verses can be true. I think you can see how we did this with the women preachers issue. Now, let's apply that same simple method to determine what a sinner must do to be saved. Okay? Many use John 3.16 and some other passages that are similar to say that all a person has to do, to do is believe in Jesus to be saved. But if that were so, that would rule out a sinner having to repent which we see is clearly required by verses like Luke 13, 3, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And if we look at Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We see that both repentance and baptism are required to get the remission of sins. Do you see that if, how that if we take John 3, 16 all by itself, and ignore all other passages, we might come to the wrong conclusion that we're saved by faith only. But if we take everything in the Bible, everything the Bible has to say on the subject of salvation, we come to the complete truth. You got to believe, you got to repent, and you got to be baptized to be saved. Don't just take a few passages and say, well, I'm just going to ignore the others. Instead, figure out how they're all true, because they all have to be true, because they all came from God. If you have a Bible question or comment, be sure and give us a call. Right now, the lines are open. 
Another example is, how do you tell what the truth on divorce and remarriage is? It used to be taught by everyone that second and third marriages that violated Matthew 19.9 should be terminated. But now most preachers will tell you it is okay to stay in a second marriage. What did exactly did Jesus say in Matthew 19.9? Here it is. Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Now that's pretty clear, isn't it? Jesus is calling these second marriages adulterous. And surely we understand that a faithful Christian cannot continue to live in adultery. Even before the New Testament went into effect, John the Baptist, who was representing God, told Herod, who was in a second marriage in Matthew 14, 4, it is not lawful for thee to have her. Why would we think it's any different today? Does a change in culture change the moral teaching of God's word somehow? Most preachers today aren't willing to stand for the truth on this issue because it will hurt their attendance numbers and therefore their contribution. But John the Baptist was willing to lose his head, lose his head for preaching the truth on divorce and remarriage. Do you see the difference in most preachers today and preachers who are really serving the Lord? Most of the time, it's not really that hard to tell who's preaching the truth. Most churches believe differently than the Bible on many subjects, not because the Bible is ambiguous on a point, but because political correctness gets in the way or the pressure of the possibility of losing members if they stand for the truth gets in the way. The Bible is not really that hard to understand on most subjects. William from Alabama, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, good evening. Uh, now, I wanted to ask, because well, uh, I can't tell you exactly where it's at, but uh, it says not to forget or forsake the Sabbath and everything. Well, uh, the Ten you, Commandments, I believe you may be talking about the Ten Commandments say remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy in the Old Testament, yes. right? Right. Yes. But that's in the Old Testament. That's in the same, the Old Testament is where the Bible teaches that people do animal sacrifices. See, we're not under that okay, Old yeah. Testament law anymore. That's the point I was making a while ago. We're under the New Testament law. And it, and I read a verse a while ago that says the Sabbath is no longer binding. Said, said Jesus okay. nailed to, that it's I, one of the ordinances. Were you on the air listening a while ago when I read Colossians 2, 14 and 16? I think I might have missed that part. Well, it says blotting out, Jesus is blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us took it out of the way and nailed it to his cross. And then in verse 16, it says that no man therefore judge you with respect to the Sabbath because that's one of the commandments that was blotted right. out and nailed to the cross. The Sabbath was. You follow me? Now, what about, yeah, I'm following you definitely. Now, what about, uh, and I love this because, I, I, believe me, I, I, I've had a lot of things happen in my life. I'd love to give my testimony, but it, I, I don't want to take your whole show up or anything like that. Uh, you know, you said that, that he blotted it out, but it kind of still stands still to today, even though it, it, it things changed when Jesus uh, nailed everything on the cross because it's printed on our hearts now. Yeah, but the thing is, the, the Sabbath is not printed on our hearts. In Hebrews 8, where it's talking about writing God's law on our hearts, it's talking about the New Testament law. 
We just got, that's right. in Hebrews 8. Hebrews 7 had just got through saying there's been a change in the law. So the whole, one of the main themes of the book of Hebrews is that we're changing from the old covenant to the new covenant. So the law that Hebrews 8 is saying is written in our hearts is the New Testament law, not the Old Testament law, not the Sabbath. Right. William, thank you for your okay. call. I'll try to give hey, you a call you. later. Maybe we continue this discussion further, okay? Hey, sounds good. Thank you, William. All right, thank you. Bye. Jay from Maryland, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, I had a question. Can women wear pants? Yeah, I don't see that anything in the Bible would prohibit a woman from wearing pants as long as it's uh, pants made for a woman. That that she's still supposed to look like a woman, and a man's supposed to look like a man. Okay. And so I don't see any any prohibition in the Bible that would say that a woman could not wear pants. And uh, you know, I wouldn't be caught dead wearing a dress. But over there right. in Ireland, some of those guys that play those those musical instruments, you know, go around in those little skirts and things. I suppose there's not a sin in that because that's what they do. But uh, but the New Testament never says. It's a sin for a woman to wear pants, okay? It just says she needs to dress modestly, 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. Okay. Does that answer and your I, question, Jay? Uh, yes, I do, because now I'm going to go read it for myself. Also, uh, the covering of, of your head uh, when you're praying, should women cover their heads in church? You know, because you brought up in church and the, the women wore the little doily thing. And, uh, the little 1 hat. Corinthians First Corinthians 11, verse 5 says, Every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head, for that is even all one as if she were shaven. So, yes, a woman needs to cover her head when she prays or when she prophesies, when she's praying or when she's teaching the Bible. So, First Corinthians 11, verse 5, that's right there. So if we're in church, right, and they're praying, should a woman wear a hat to church? You know what I'm saying? So because that way our head would be covered, if she's sitting in the ceremony and she's praying, you understand yeah, what I'm saying? In church, what happens a lot of time is the men lead the prayers, but the leading a prayer doesn't mean he's the only one praying. It just means the man is picking out the words for the whole congregation to pray to God at one time. So he's leading the prayer. That means everybody in the congregation is praying that same prayer. So yes, in the church service, when they're having prayer, the woman is praying, therefore she should cover her head. First Corinthians 11, verse 5. What I so want you to do, Jay, go back and read that whole first half of the chapter, First Corinthians 11, verses 1 through 16. First Corinthians 11, 1 through 16, and read all about that. And it'll tell you that she should be covered, and it gives you about five or six reasons why she should be covered. Perhaps okay. I can call you. Perhaps we can talk about it further after the program. What do you think? Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jay, appreciate your call. All right, thank you. Okay. We still have about three minutes left. If you have a Bible question, make it quick, but you can call us at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. So what we've been talking about is how can we know which preacher is telling us the truth? And we've used pretty much three examples or two and a half examples to show how to tell who's preaching the truth. And it's basically a pretty simple matter. The one who's telling you what the Bible says, who what he preaches, if it matches up with the Bible, that's the one who's telling you the truth. And people sometimes think it's hard. It's not really that hard. If you'll just be like the Bereans, 
search the scriptures to see if what somebody is saying is so. For example, and this is the example we gave. If a preacher is allowing woman, women to preach from the pulpit, then we know he's not preaching the truth because it says in 1 Corinthians 14, it's a shame for women to speak in the church. If somebody says you're saved by faith only, we know that person's not preaching the truth because James 2.24 says justification is by works and not by faith only. If somebody is allowing people to be considered faithful members of a congregation when they're in their second or third marriage, marriages that violate Matthew 19.9, we know they're not preaching the truth because Jesus said whoever puts away his wife, except it be for fornication and shall marry another, commits adultery. That's pretty plain. You can't divorce your wife for any reason reason other than fornication. And if you remarry after doing so, you're in an adulterous marriage. You've got to get out of that marriage. If you would like a free one-hour phone Bible study at your convenience, call or text me after the program at 256-682-9753. A free one-hour phone Bible study at your convenience. Call or text me at 256-682-9753.